Welcome to the podcast Sagacious IP Tech Talks with Sumit Prasad of Sagacious IP. This is a -a one-of-its-kind podcast focused on learning and sharing experiences of both intellectual property tool developers and their users from different industry verticals in their pursuit to uncover new age tools and technologies that shape the future of global intellectual property practice. Hear from tool developers and service providers, IP attorneys and partners, in-house IP counsels and IP practitioners to understand how AI, machine learning, robotic process automation, big data analytics, cloud computing, blockchain, and many other technologies affect the next generation of IP practices. So let's get into the podcast with your host, Sumit. Welcome to another episode of Sagacious IP Tech Talk with another enthusiast who is trying to solve IP problems using state-of-the-art tools. Our guest for today is Dr. Simon DeWolf from New South Wales, Australia, CEO at Olive. Simon ran several companies in the area of consulting for product and process innovation, creativity softwares, patent research, and food innovation. Academically, he has a background in material science uh, from Imperial College London. Simon also has a PhD in patent data-driven innovation logic from Imperial College, and he has been actively leading the product development efforts at Olive since 2012. He has created this platform, Patent Inspiration, for helping their customers improve the innovation logic in their teams respectively. So let's take this conversation forward with Simon and learn from his experience and approach of patent data-driven innovation logic. Hi, Simon. Welcome to our podcast. Hey, Sumit. Thank you for having me. So let's start with our customary question of uh, knowing about your journey with Olive and more specifically, your thought process behind a patent inspiration platform. That's quite an interesting name you have. Well, thank you. Yes. Well, uh, patent inspiration at the time has been created when we were in uh, innovation consulting and uh, when we were coming up for new ideas or for solving problems or for finding new markets or new innovations, we always had to check, is it already patented? And once we started to look into mm-hmm. the patent database, say, well, there's actually more than just, is it already patented in the database? Uh, there is things that you can say, well, what is not patented? Or you could say, what are the actual problems they're looking at instead of just the solutions? Because as they say in my language, a good ask question is half an answer. And it's sometimes very interesting to see which research uh, is working on on which kind of problems. So soon we started to use the patent database as a kind of smart colleague, like a person which is there. It was called Norbert in the old days, where uh, Mm -hmm. we just ask questions and say, you know, what does the world know about what I'm trying to solve? Because if you see the patent database is actually 130 million solutions to problems across all domains. True. So that, that has been the approach. And then to find how we can mine that. Uh, the essence of patent taking in the past, I think it was a, um, in the UK when they said there was a doctor who knew how to have a child born in the correct way. I had a tool for that. And they said, yeah, well, you should tell this to everyone because there are some children dying. But he said, no, my waiting room is full. So why would I give that? They say, well, the deal is the following. Mm-hmm. We'll give you, every time another doctor is using your system, we'll give you some money. But after 20 years, mm-hmm. you have to give it back to society. You have to give it back to mankind. Mm-hmm. And that's why also patents only run for 20 years. 
So what we see today is if we go 20 years back, we're 2002, there's an enormous amount of knowledge in the patent database, which is nowhere else. And our target was to say, how can yes. we use that in existing uh, research settings? Great, great. So how is it different from other databases or or other patent visualization tools that are available in the market? Because there also you get to see those you know, data available. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so most companies, I would say the history of, uh, of patent research or patent tools has really been a legal debate. Who owns what? Mm -hmm. And often you see now that uh, it's, it's mostly the softwares are optimized to people who are in the IP department, IP lawyers, and that mm -hmm. have to make a very good uh, freedom to operate or a very good uh, like um, scan of the competitors, what they are doing and so on. Exactly. So, mm -hmm. so, which is good, and it's one uh, area to use uh, patents. But uh, as my talk was in the last uh, European Patent Conference, was about other uses of the patent database. Because the patent database can also be used even for headhunting. Who in the circle mm -hmm. of my country has the knowledge I require in other companies? It can be used for... Mm -hmm. um, Marketing. So a lot of companies using the patent uh, database to say, well, if I have a certain technology, it's not like I have a problem that looks for a solution. I have a solution that looks for problems. Mm -hmm. I have some kind of technology, but I want to know who needs my technology. Again, patents can help you there. Mm -hmm. Even if you just say, yeah. I want a list of competitors of my clients, which would be a marketing. This is only patents can do it. You could say, give me a list of competitors of my clients in this technology. Patents will give that. Give me a list of competitors of my suppliers. Give me cheaper suppliers. Patents mm -hmm. will do that. So there's a lot of other data that you can use actually uh, uh, patents for, and especially in R&D departments mm -hmm. for innovation. And in that uh, area, mm -hmm. it's really about transferring knowledge. Every R&D department is uh, paid, constructed to be expert in a certain domain. And being expert in a certain mm -hmm. domain, I can say it because uh, it's a bit like a like being a PhD, you always know more and more about less and less until you know everything about nothing uh, because you are so focused into <laughs> one area. Sure. Uh, whereas patents will allow you to go across domains and say, well, uh -huh. if I am a chemical engineer, I might look for a chemical solution, but maybe the solution is mechanical or maybe it's in biology. Uh -huh. And by abstracting uh -huh. your problems, you can actually ask the patent database, who has solved my specific problem in any other domain? So I can give you an example. A tire company at the time, we were looking at how to cut tires because um, they're very elastic and visco and they stick when they're still in the green. Now, if we're looking at putting this problem into the patent database, it might be well that we come into mm -hmm. the other tire businesses, but there might be some solutions from the cheese area and say, oh, look, this is how they, they do it in cheese processing. Why don't we use that technology and apply mm. it into uh, the tire business? So that's why it's quite um, attractive to R&D departments because it's quicker uh, than to develop a new machine. It's really to find out who in the world has already solved a similar problem to me and it could be in another domain. So it doesn't have to be like the, the food industry can learn a lot from the pharma. The pharma can maybe learn a lot from chemistry mm -hmm. and so on and so on. Everybody is kind of on different speeds of evolution and some have more budgets. Like military might have more budgets and you can say, can I transfer that technology uh, to my domain. Like, for example, I think in military, mm -hmm. I think the surface of the Challenger at the time, this dimpled surface went to the golf ball. And the golf ball now has mm -hmm. less friction yes. because that have the same thing. But it hasn't gone to the train, where in the train, it would also have 
less friction, actually 30% less friction. So you can see that technologies move across domains uh, through patents. And um, you can, there is a, a methodology in the past called TRIZ, T-R-I-Z, which is a research technology yeah. which, which really focused on that. But what they did was looking yeah. at studying a whole database of patents and then making trends and evolution lines and things like that. Today, you can do that live on mm -hmm. patents. So you don't need to have the pre-study anymore. You can just ask, show me in the last 10 years who has a solution on, for example, uh, preventing oil separation in an area or something like that. Okay, that's that's really interesting. So uh, who are your major customers in this area? Um, and when you talk to them, how do you convince them on the ROI? Uh, definitely, there is an... Uh, there's a clear-cut advantage of using data, patent data, to identify the problems because you could transfer the technology from one domain to another domain, as you said. But if you have to talk about your customers, uh, how do they measure ROI? Is it the same criteria they are measuring it? Or is there anything else they, uh, they get as a return on using this uh, kind of platform? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Sumit. I think um, the... So again, in, in comparison with classical... Uh, platforms or um, I remember when I was in a, a conference in Munich and I saw the logos of all my clients and the people from the patent IP conference said, hey, but I am from this company. I'm from this company. How come I don't know you? And then they say, well, it's probably this guy, this guy. Oh, they are in research. I didn't know they were using patent software. See, because that's going into a different domain. Uh, and it's not just like one guy with an expensive package protecting the company, but it's more a set of researchers that share a interface on patent data, just like they would do on scientific literature. So that kind of okay. uh, customer. So we still have companies like uh, that are more into the IP domain because it's kind of fast or even the mm -hmm. UK patent office is a user uh, of, our, of our tools. But most we are focusing mm -hmm. on basically the R&D companies. If you look at, yeah, if you see, for example, the market of uh, IP and you take the top 10,000 uh, patent takers in the world, the smallest one still has 3,000 patents. So the market of this is, is amazing. So uh, mm -hmm. I think it's a market where we can celebrate differences, where we can say, well, many people can use and show many things. And we see in some of our clients, for some things, they use one tool. Then for this innovation part, they use our tool. And then we can share data from one tool to the other and see how uh, you know, some people have valu valu valuation of a patent domain and they put a price on that. Well, that's their mm -hmm. tool. And then you can say yeah. you can use that. So, but ours is really to, um, let's say, to make uh, the patent knowledge, the 130 million uh, uh, available for quick access. Because the old way was a company says, you guys, researchers, this is a, I, I'm the IP guy, you have to read those because they are in your domain. And it's like so dry to read. You know, patent literature is dry to read. So, but if you make it into kind of more attractive, sexy software that they can play and click and do, it's more easy. It's, it's like mm -hmm. more attractive for them to just play around. And sometimes they lose a lot of time because they say, oh, I was looking just at who owns that. But then I saw the link with this domain and this domain. But it's also good to sometimes lose time in the uh, uh, patent area because it's inspiration that you get. And that's mm -hmm. where our name comes from, uh, patent inspiration, really, to say you can be inspired from one domain to the other. Mm -hmm. 
And actually, that process, we took a patent on <laughs> in 2006 at the time. <laughs> and that was actually, how can you compare patents to patents to create new patents? Because if I say, for example, you okay. are wearing glasses now, Sumit, and I have here a glass for, of uh, coffee, and then there is windows here as well. And I say, actually, these mm -hmm. products are very similar to each other. They're all kind of brittle, transparent, glass, and so so then you could say, mm -hmm. but there is differences, and these differences could become interesting because the, the difference say, oh, if your your glasses you can see further, why don't I make windows you can see further? Mm -hmm. If this window is double, why don't I make drinking glasses which are double? And you share kind of so if you see things that are similar, <laughs> you can almost be inspired from saying, well, mm -hmm. we've we've gone to the next step, but you haven't gone to the next step yet. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen these flexible keyboards now as well. You have a normal keyboard, then you had a flexible keyboard, and now you have yes. the projected keyboards. Yeah. And then you say, if that is possible, True. well, yeah. and I'm making pianos, and now a flexible piano, what's next? Well, projected piano. So that's where you can almost predict yeah. in the patent database what could be next. Um, and the clue, one of the clues that was very important to, to go in that domain was um, the notion of uh, functions and properties. A lot of people look at functions as what it has to do. So, for example, mm -hmm. the function of my glass is it has to uh, hold the liquid or you have to be able to hold it or it has mm -hmm. to stable, stabilize. These are verbs which are in patents. Mm -hmm. But the main thing in the PhD at the time was mm -hmm. it's the properties that allow it. It's not holding just for nothing. It's holding because it's hollow. And hollow is a property. It's an adjective. Mm -hmm. It's oh. ear-shaped. That's mm -hmm. an adjective. It's, I'm oh, sorry, there it is. It's flat. That's an adjective. So when you start mm -hmm. to use these kind of, um, any, any domain you run, and you ask the patents, give me all the adjectives which mm -hmm. are in front of my product, you will see the differences. You'll say, mm -hmm. oh, this is a hollow glass, magnetic glass, double glass, uh, and so on and so on. So you see all the variations. And the claims will say, I made yeah. now a magnetic glass to stick to the table, whatever, uh, for planes, I'm just saying, example. Uh, so then you have uh, property, function, stick, verb, magnetic, property. Mm -hmm. And to play with that is really yeah. interesting because there you can almost go towards um, artificial creativity or automated ID generation, uh, where, where the patents can compare with other patterns and you give them some rules and they actually come with suggested uh, new ideas. Which could be a, which is something for the future. And now. I think uh, there, there was another question. There was another question that I was trying to ask you, but I think you have already given the answer. For, for these kind of, uh, these kind of inspiration from patterns, usually, usually company goes to IP team. They will, they'll say you have an IP team, go to them, ask them for the research. They will give you the research. But if you are a researcher, you have to get to that uh, knowledge firsthand and then you will try to play around with it and get that inspiration that we are talking about. Because if you don't uh, know, see the data firsthand real time, you will not be able to justify what your requirement is. How will Correct. you define your solution that you have or what type of problem you want? So at, at certain times, it is a straightforward question which you can pass on to the IP team. But at times, it's, it's just an... No, play around of the play around with the data as you said and uh, once you are you know, playing around with those adjectives those functions those properties you get to know you to get to get, get to get an inspiration which could be a, a potential solution for your problem that you are looking at 
Very true. Yeah, well put, uh, Sumit. And it's it's a case where, for example, there was a large company and they had about uh, five, 6,000 patents. And they asked us in the consultancy to solve a problem. And uh, we did a big research and we came back with a solution in a patent. And they read the patent and they say, mm -hmm. oh, this is a really good patent. This is a really good solution. From, from who is the patent? Mm -hmm. And I say, oh, well, it's from you. It's from your company. <laughs> oh, really? We can use it. <laughs> it's fantastic. But yeah, wrong answer thing from them. But the thing is, if they have 5,000 patents, I mean, you're in the area there of GE. There is 1,400 uh, PhDs mm -hmm. there. They have so many thousands of patents. How do they know what they know? How does one yes. guy in an office knows what, he know, what, what the whole company knows? But now with patents, you could say, oh, I want to make a self-cleaning surface. Let me take all the patents of mm -hmm. GE, look for self-cleaning and find a whole list of inventors that are still alive that uh, actually mm -hmm. know something about self-cleaning. I can see their names. I can call them up and say, hi, uh, Sumit, you know something about that? Can you help me, etc." So it can also be a tool of knowledge retainment. You know, even when people leave the company, the knowledge mm -hmm. remains in there and people can read it uh, for their own uh, uh, purpose. Absolutely, absolutely. So going forward, what is the future of this platform? What should we expect from Patents Inspiration or Olive as a, as a, as a parent company um, in next two to three years? What are the you know, products that are lined up or any, any feature that is lined up in Patent Inspiration platform itself? Thank you, uh, Sumit. I think uh, the next two, three years are very uh, difficult to say anything because of the, the rate of change in the world for the moment, <laughs> nobody really knows. But, um, but one of the things for sure is uh, we have done a test last year on, uh, and that was with the Ask Nature uh, website, which is a biomimicry institute, mm -hmm. instead of learning from patents, learning from mm -hmm. nature. So we, we pulled in thousands okay. and thousands of papers into the software. And actually, mm -hmm. the difference between a paper and a patent is not so big. There's an inventor, author. There's an abstract, abstract is a title. Uh, there is references, citations. Uh, so it's kind of the same. Uh, so then mm -hmm. you can say, pull them in and use the same kind of uh, software to analyze papers. And papers, I think today, the biggest mm -hmm. online one is probably core.uk. Uh, is a few hundred million, I think two, three hundred million. So there's more papers than there is patents uh, out there. That is one interesting uh, mm -hmm. part. On the other hand, some people say we have a bunch of knowledge, uh, like a big company saying, but we want to analyze this in the same way. Uh, they're not patented, but they're in a patent kind of format in our own private knowledge. And so there is, I think, also a space for, for kind of a content inspiration rather than patent inspiration. And you just put in whatever content and you see what you can uh, uh, pull from there. Um, for us, what else, the, the other thing is really the capability. I mean, now we are providing a software and some people really go without any training or in that capable capability of thinking. But there's an innovation logic methodology uh, to see trends, to think in systems, uh, to think in maximum function, uh, to, to, to think about um, the ideal system as no, some like Triz-like thinking, but also just the philosophy of, mm -hmm. of uh, invention. I think there's a, a big part there that needs to be uh, brought into more of a training content uh, whilst using the software. That is the direction. And whilst eventually using this kind of interface, which we see now, is more like instead of saying you ask something to the software and you get the visualization as an answer, you ask something, mm -hmm. they're giving you a answer, you correct a few things, they go back. Give you another answer. You correct a little bit, and so it becomes really a exchange 
with the search because mm-hmm. you know you can say for example i'm lo- looking for uh, companies that cut elastomeric materials and then you could they could come mm-hmm. and say the downs out of the pattern saying that or uh, tire uh, cheese and so on and so on so you could say i like this one i like this one mm-hmm. go back more and then they go more and say oh, which technologies mm-hmm. ah, uh, laser this 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 so a whole interaction between mm-hmm. the actual patent database uh and and uh, and the person because i think you have on one hand artificial generated ideas and we did some tests with some mm-hmm. companies consultancy versus like a battle versus uh the software uh, and and the, and the software <laughs> gave more ideas and gave all the ideas of the mm-hmm. um, of the um the company uh of the consultants and uh Actually, there was one idea. It wasn't a sugar company. They were making sugar. And one of the trends in evolution is that things go hollow. Like, for example, a hollow brick or a hollow piece of chocolate mm-hmm. or many, like when you put air, like the hollow window for the insulation. Mm-hmm. And so hollow this, sugar was a kind of uh, material. Yeah. And hollow sugar mm-hmm. was a suggestion. And they say, why would you do hollow sugar? And they say, yeah, it's like more taste and still no calories and it can drift in your coffee. And the company didn't really go for it. And uh, seven years later, <laughs> they get back in contact with me and say, we have a problem. The competitor patented all these areas. What can we do? I say, yeah, well, I, nothing anymore now. I mean, it was a confidential study, so they could do it. Wait for another, wait for 20 years to pass on, and then probably it will be free to use. Yeah, yeah. Or go to the next step, which could be foam sugar. A little, little hollows, like foamy, and then yeah. we go and see what we can do. So I think that, that uh, in the yeah. future, I think in engineering in general. Interesting case studies. Yeah, in, in general, I think engineering will, will uh, and I hope so, that any engineer will actually have more access to patent data, uh, will have more access to innovation mm-hmm. tools. And, and uh, it's really about, mm-hmm. engineering will be about uh, less engine, but more ingenious. You know, like, how can we make uh, more out of, out of uh, inventing things, coming up with solutions, yes. uh, rather than, than mm-hmm. just repeating knowledge? So, so that is, I think, uh, for the patent engin- engineers in general... It has to move. Sorry. Yeah, it it has to move from reinventing the wheel to re- really inventing or improving the systems that are already existing. Exactly. So, so that you don't spend time in reinventing the wheel again and again. Yeah, yeah. And if you do reinvent the wheel, because actually uh, uh, at the time, uh, a wheel uh, uh, tire manufacturer was one of my biggest clients. Uh, they always looked at, okay, but if we are trying to do something changing into the wheel, what can we learn from sports? What can we learn from, I mean, you even see in some of the logos of uh, mm-hmm. tires, there is a sport shoe. So uh, it's kind of the same thing, you know, it's a shoe of a car. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can see that there might be links uh, <laughs> between one and the other. Yeah. Yes, yes. So being part of this IP industry for so long or innovation industry, how do you see the IP practices? Uh, not talking about the R&D uh, no, engineers who are now using the IP data, but mm-hmm. how do you see the IP practices evolving with this, uh, this evolving set of tools and technology? Is mm, there any yeah. impact? Uh, do you see any increase in the acceptance of uh, tools and technologies uh, by IP team as well as the in-house IP team and the consultants, IP consulting team uh, companies that are out there? Yeah, so yeah, have yeah. you seen any effect of uh, tools, positive, negative, on the to- on the industry? Yeah, I think um, the if you see the IP department in the company it used to be a isolated department. They used to be the guys who travel business class, do the True. big deals, and and you know this is the kind of core of the IP. Whereas uh, 
-hmm. In future, when you see the potential of the use of this data in other departments, as we talked about R&D, marketing, uh, mm -hmm. uh, headhunting, uh, mm -hmm. any of the other departments, I think it will be more of a flow mm -hmm. uh, and I hope there will be more. Of a flow. And we see, for example, the availability now, now of patent data, even online through the tools like Google Patents uh, <laughs> or other free, free tools. Uh, it's kind of becoming uh, vulgarized, if I could say it, or, or more uh, uh, used to it. it. If I remember when I was in, uh, working in India in 2000 till 2004, I think, those days, I don't think even if there was a patent office in India, it was still at the beginning. There was a big company there, uh, yeah. I think Domex, who was doing some work for Derwent, and that was a start. And, and, mm -hmm. But now, if we are 20, 22 years later, um, every engineer will know what a patent is, and even many people will know what a patent is. And, and it's important because, yeah. because uh, also just, uh, I, th I would say 10 years ago, somebody would come into, um, into a um, like, um, fair with the furniture and come and say, hey, Simon, you like my furniture here? I say, yeah, it's a good idea to do this. Can I, can I patent that? I'm like, well, not now. You know, you've just had, I don't know, 5,000 people visiting and seeing your idea. So these kind of things, I think people <laughs> will learn in, in, in universities now and in schools how to patent, how to predict ideas. If, in a way, the patent system will uh, always uh, be there because... On the other hand, you have that whole direction of automated uh, tools today that create patents. And then the question is, is that still patentable? <laughs> uh, even if you could say, yes. if there is some kind of trend that follows, then it shouldn't mm -hmm. really be patentable. So we don't know. Maybe, maybe the patent uh, database will mm -hmm. exist and keep on existing, and maybe not. But you can certainly see now today with the, mm -hmm. the whole business of the medical products, uh, it's very well defended, of course. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, great. From from user acceptance point of view, what type of message you would like to give back to the community and the fellow developers who are developing tools? Is there anything specific you would like to share with them? Yeah, well, I think the main thing, and I tried to say that in a conference as well, once with all the... There was a conference once we had in Singapore, and it ended up where uh, there was almost nobody that... or Very few people came and visit. Uh, so it was basically all the providers together. So I thought we have a good dinner and talk about uh, how to share things and how to share data and share ideas. Um, because I think if we make uh, patent data platforms very easy to go from one to the other, um, it's good for the users as well. Mm -hmm. Because they will say, oh, I can use this for that and I can then transfer this. So that I think is a, is a very good um, um, uh, direction. The other direction I think uh, that needs solving in the future is data. I don't know what to do with data, but uh, it's just, it's a very difficult point. And it also uh, stops new players because the investment to make is too big. And, yes. and if we have too much of a, um, what do you say, a protection of the business uh, mm -hmm. because it's too expensive to, to start using data, it's not good for the whole field. We have to have an easy step in and, and invite as many as possible players. The market is huge uh, and everybody will help everybody. That sounds like I really a like, world I, I think piece. I really like both of your you know, uh, messages that you gave. Uh, the one that 
talks about interoperability like there are multiple tools even we face this problem if you are working on us on a platform and then you, you want to do some other processing on another platform it's really difficult to transform that data from one platform to another platform you have to drill you know, down to the basic format maybe mm-hmm. csv or excel and then you know upload it in another platform so interoperability right. is really uh, lacking in our in our current ecosystem of ip tools and the second aspect of you know data being uh, one of the you know oil uh, kind of a form in this industry right now which is being expensive for any new startup or any new player who want to create a software around a, uh, around the ip data he has to think twice uh, before getting into that uh, uh, into that uh, you know area because it's really an investment that he has to seek first and then start with the you know uh, development of its product or platform so i exactly. think the both of these areas need to be uh, addressed um, as a, as a as a industry whole and i think that would lead to more flexible uh, you know way of le- using the tools as well as uh, that will also invite more software players to come in and you know uh, develop tools and products that are more uh, helpful for the whole community as mm. as an as an uh, using the ip how we use how we consume ip data Ah, yes. Yeah, just saying that at the end of the day, a patent, I mean, for those that have taken patents, it's expensive. You know, it's a few thousand dollars. And then you already paid for that. And it's out there and the patent is then uh, public domain. But then in order to access this public domain data, we have to pay again. Uh, I know that government's uh, job is to invent taxes, but this is too far. Uh, we, have to, we have to find a way where that data <laughs> is free and accessible. And information wants to be free. Data yes. wants to be free. It's the yes. actual added value is what you do with that data and how you turn it into actually mm-hmm. uh, protocols or, or wisdom or innovation. That would be great. Mm-hmm. So, yes, fully agree. Okay. So, yep, I agree too with your facts. And uh, with that, I think that brings us to the end of our today's podcast. We had a very inspiring talk with you, uh, Simon. Thank you for thank you listeners for listening to IP Tech Talks. I hope you enjoyed this interaction with Simon and his journey with patent inspiration. If you are keen to use his platform, please reach out to um, uh, Olive uh, uh, reach Olive website www.olive.com. Uh, Simon, please correct me if I have uh, misspelled it. And 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 if 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 anyone wants to reach out to you, Simon. Yeah, it's there and it's on patent inspiration and actually it's a. Uh... A free tool. Uh, I mean, there is a lot of free uses. Most of the things that you can do searching is free. So we try and also push a little bit the free access to the basic parts, uh, as I think it's part of our uh, mission mm-hmm. of all. Thank you very much, Sumit, for a fantastic talk. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Simon. Thank you for a valuable time and sharing your perspectives. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast Sagacious IP Tech Talks with your host, Sumit Prasad from Sagacious IP. If you enjoyed this episode, please do rate it and listen to more episodes in the series. For more information about Sagacious IT for IP initiative and IP tools in general, write to us at info at sagaciousresearch.com. Please do note that the contents of this podcast were intended for general informational purposes only. The views of the guest and the host were their personal views and do not represent Sagacious IP. The facts of every legal, business, or technical matter are unique, and the content of this podcast should not be considered as offering legal, business, or technology advice for your specific situation.